0: This is Dave, the Scholarship Coach with Your Daily Scholarship, and today I'm very happy to be joined by college admissions advisor, counselor, planner, and college admissions guru, Jason Hand, who is a previous guest, and we're so excited to have him back on again this time of year because we are getting ready um, for the junior class to get into the college planning timeline. Jason, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Well, I give a, a quick bio, but could you just tell uh, the audience a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure, I have been uh, I have been doing college planning for about the past twenty five, almost thirty years. Um, but about thirty years ago, I started my first job. I was uh, an assistant director, associate director, and director of admissions at a at a state college in, in in New Jersey called Jersey City State College, and it transitioned to New Jersey City University a couple of years later. Um, I have been the director of admissions at Rutgers University in Newark, uh, where I was there for about 11 years. And um, I am currently um, in charge of enrollment for the community college system in the city of Philadelphia. Um, and I run this business sort of simultaneously. So I, uh, I am, I am I'm managing two full time jobs, and I love both
0: of them. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, like I said, we are here today to talk about uh, the class of twenty twenty five and the timeline for college planning. So, um even before i I hit the record button, you were you were excited and already were telling me some of the stuff kids should have already been doing. So I'm just gonna kind of open the floor to you and um, you tell us what should the class of twenty twenty five be doing?
1: Sure. so, um, and and and, you know, like I'll start out by saying these are not absolutes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. these things don't have to happen exactly at certain times, I think a lot of families will find that their kids are busy, their parents are busy, and they have to squeeze in these things whenever they they really can. You know, my daughter is yep. a senior and we were, you know, we, we we entered this with great intentions of visiting all of these schools and then, you know, basketball got in the way and this got in the way and, you know, we're finally, finally visiting Penn State in three weeks, which we planned on doing a year ago. So <laughs> yeah. life just gets in the way. But I think exactly. the, earlier, the earlier you start, everything especially in terms of visiting the better because the visiting just is a is a very time consuming Mm -hmm. process you know we visited um, a couple of schools that were four hours away and it's you realize that that's a long ways away and it's a lot to do in a day and you realize you really have to kind of stay overnight and so just generally speaking if you're starting this process now and you have a junior what you really should start doing is visiting some schools Mm -hmm. Um, and what what You want to try to do if your child is really not sure about where they want to go is start talking about distance from home what are they comfortable with you know my my daughter went to sleepaway camp for years she was comfortable being away from home Mm -hmm. Um, but even with that she realized that she wanted to be within a reasonable driving distance because she wanted to be able to you know kind of see us and have us come down Uh and go to games and stuff so uh, but you want to look at initially schools in different genres I call them you know maybe a large public university to see if a large school is it should be in play or is it too overwhelming you know Um, Mm -hmm. maybe a small private school you know something that's three to five thousand students with a really nice campus Uh, maybe a school in a city if you have a kid who's comfortable being in a city maybe they want an urban environment with more things to do you know being in in at, at the university of pittsburgh in the middle of a major major city is very different than being at penn state which is in the middle of sort of its own sort of city right, which right. Penn state. Mm-hmm. um so and then as you do these visits you start narrowing down what your what what your kids want and like and then you make your lists based on those visits so mm-hmm. initially it's discovery process you know you don't have to know where your kids going but just get out there and see things because i equate this to a home search you know you're looking mm-hmm. for a That's place to analogy. live yeah. You want to go look at houses, you see them and you go, eh, that's, that's not what I want. Wait, this is really what I want. So I think this it's really helpful. Um, most of my juniors right now are beginning to, to plan to take you know their first official SAT. Most of them mm-hmm. are doing it in March. And it's important to kind of know that because if you want to prep for it, a lot of prep classes will start eight or 10 or 12 weeks before the test okay um, yep. the test is given in march it's given in may it's given in june it's going to be given in august so you want to kind of lay out that's the sat i should specify that the, the act is given on a different time frame but if you're going to take the sat you want to come up with a schedule that works and build time in so that you can prepare for it and there are lots of different prep companies and you want to check with them and see all right we got to work backwards like when do we want to start preparing for this it could be 12 weeks before right. the test so Um, same thing with the ACT and some of my families are doing both tests to see which one's better for them then you really have to plan because you know now you're now you're eating up a lot of different weekends with with testing but so you definitely want to come up with a testing plan and that's kind of this this sort of item on the uh, on the list Um, if you do have an athlete and they are planning on playing sports. You do have to register, sort of, with with various NCAA sites and and different websites so that coaches can have access to you. Uh, they should okay. all of my athletes should really be working, sort of, in conjunction with their head coaches to help them with this process. They should be familiar with this and how to navigate them through that. I don't have too many kids like that, but um, and it's really for Division one or two sports. Division three, okay. no scholarships. So, right. Um, now, as you get into the winter and the spring, which is kind of where we are, you know, like I said, you want to pre- be prepping for your tests. Um, a lot of my kids are starting to make their schedules for senior year. Um, so you're going to want to have conversations about, you know, even though colleges are probably not going to see the grades for that year, they mm-hmm. will see the classes you're taking. Right. So right. You, on the Common App, it does ask, what is your senior schedule? So they really just want to make sure that you're consistently taking a consistent um, schedule in terms of difficulty you know if you've been taking okay. honors and AP courses all along probably a good idea to still include some of those in the senior year mm-hmm. and not just yes. you know take take easy courses um, and then I guess this would be a really good time for them to start working on scholarships with you So, hundred (laughs) percent. The earlier, the better,
0: right? Um, Yep, that's right. Yeah. In fact, um, when when your episode comes out, um, a full tuition scholarship open to juniors will have just opened. So it's yeah, it's definitely the start of what I would call the scholarship long season for for the class of twenty twenty five is has opened. Great.
1: Um, We talked about you know as they start visiting, start making a college list. Usually, I make a college list for my kids of about twenty schools. Initially, 25 schools, uh, and then they all just start to fall off as they realize, all right, maybe this one's too expensive, and maybe this Mm -hmm. one's not, not realistic, or maybe this one's just too far. So, um, you know, I make a, a a document for my families that has, you know, the the colleges, the sizes, the costs, the enrollments, the acceptance rates. A lot of people look at test scores to determine difficulty of getting admitted. You really mm-hmm. should look at acceptance rates and the college board website's a great place to find that okay um, you know because when you look at 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 sat scores now with the test optional um thing happening now the the test scores are getting very inflated because the fewer people who submit scores the higher the scores are going to end up being sure right but the acceptance rates are really what determine how difficult the school is so you know i mean northeastern for example last year had a seven percent acceptance rate you know whereas several years ago it was almost around 50 oh school's got a seven percent acceptance rate you know you got to realize that's at an ivy league level right you know versus a school like i think my daughter applied to rhode island they had a 77 percent acceptance rate so okay you know you have to kind of gauge that acceptance rate in terms of of, of seeing whether or not it's realistic for your, for your child. Um, and you can't even use GPAs either because GPAs are different all over the country. Yes you know? yep. some schools are on number scales, some schools are on letter scales. The letter scales are all different. In our school district here, which is a six high school district, um, an A, a regular A, you get 4.3 points for an A. And not a 4.0 okay. so you have your straight A's okay. and you have all regular courses they inflated the GPAs so it's yeah it, you have to be careful <laughs> yeah you know? okay
0: yeah yep yeah um, and just with the students I work with I notice so many different scales and I, I even have students asking me help help me calculate my GPA because I don't think I've ever seen a scholarship that's not based on a standard 4.0 scale so right. yeah Yep. and we have high schools here that are on six point scales like Secaucus okay. high school on a six point
1: scale and Um, So what a lot of colleges are doing now is they're actually having students self-report their grades. There's something called the self-reported academic record, which is a consortium of schools that all got together and they're members of it. Rutgers, Penn State, Delaware, Virginia Tech, Pitt, all the Florida, a lot of the Florida publics. And basically what you do is you enter all of your grades on it's self-reported into Mm -hmm. this self-reported academic record. And it gets, you get to choose the colleges you want to send it to. And then those colleges on the back end will calculate their own GPAs for the student. Mm -hmm. So Rutgers, for example, may say, you know, we're going to give an honors course one and a half points, you know, Virginia tech may say, no, we only want to do one and a quarter points, but they Mm -hmm. you'll get like a Virginia tech GPA or a Rutgers GPA and they'll all be different, but it normalizes the grades of everybody around the country. So, okay. um, they may see so. that, and you can actually start filling that in now. Also, I've been doing that with my kids. I put their freshman grades in, sophomore grades in, the junior classes in. I don't have their grades yet, but you can build it along the way. You could start it out as even as a freshman in high school and completing. That's year. great.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I tell my students right around April when they kind of get back from their from their break, um, their spring break to uh, to start asking teachers for letters of recommendation.
0: That's great, um, I like
1: that. You know, what happens with a lot of teachers is at least where we are, is they will say to kids, I'm only gonna do 25 of them. I'm only gonna take okay. 25 kids because I can't do 100, right? Right. So you don't wanna wait till senior year because they may say, I'm, I'm full, I got my 25. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have them ask, actually some of my kids are actually asking now if they really know who they, if they have a good close relationship now, the teachers are not going to write them now. They're probably going to wait till the school year is over and do them over the summer. Sure. At least yep. you get on their list. You get the yes. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of schools will ask students to either do a brag sheet or a resume mm-hmm. or give the teachers something to help them write the letter.
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We think
1: our teachers know our kids better than they really do. Yeah. Yep. And And that resume or that brag sheet should really highlight the things that you want that that teacher to write about they might not know that you do community service they might not know mm-hmm. that you play on the basketball team they might not know that you you know work a job and and have a really good you know you've been there for years and you have real responsibility. so
0: this, that's the opportunity to kind of let them know all the things that you'd want them to write about in that letter okay so regarding uh letters of recommendation or just recommenders um a best practice that I recommend from the scholarship side is have at least two academic and then two extracurricular. Are extracurricular references important for college admissions or not at all or somewhere in between?
1: Well, so most of the, so on the common application, it tells you like how many of these, these letters the colleges require and then how many they'll allow as, as optionals, right? So, so most colleges will require some require zero, like Rutgers will not even accept letters of recommendation at all as a part of their process. Okay, and that's simply because last year they got 70,000 applications and they're not mm-hmm. going to read 140,000 letters of
0: recommendation. Yeah, yep,
1: so it's just not important to them. Um, but some I would definitely say you, you're going to need two teachers. Okay, mm-hmm. some colleges will allow external recommenders, okay? Um, they're usually optional. Do I know if they really will read all of this? Because now you're asking a college to look at Mm -hmm. transcripts, four Uh letters of recommendation, test score, you know, and you're talking about thousands of apps. I don't think it hurts to do it. I would submit it. If they don't read it, there's no harm done. You know, there you go. Yeah. And I would guess that the smaller types of schools that spend more time looking at the Lehighs of the world, the Colgates, the Lafayettes, the you're you're the wesleyan you know those smaller selective schools the early decision schools the patriot league schools you know Mm -hmm. they would probably that would be more important to them my guess is that penn state is not looking at letters of recommendation with eighty thousand people applying
0: right yeah that makes sense
1: and i think those schools anyway have a different model because they really value demonstrated interest and whether you visited or not or whether you went to the open houses or not so that's something you're going to want to research. And, that's, and there's a lot of information out about what schools value demonstrated interest. You know? and, okay. and Lehigh is really the model. You know, if you apply, you apply early decision to Lehigh, you have a much higher chance of getting in if you don't, because that's okay. a really important thing to them, and to Bucknell, and to those types of schools.
0: Um, how, how would it, a student find out which schools um, consider demonstrated interest?
1: um if you if you just google like colleges that value demonstrated interest you'll get you'll get lots of lists but you can also ask the admissions offices and say okay you know is demonstrate because what lehigh does is they actually give student the students an actual demonstrated interest score between zero and ten so i i did some consulting work at lehigh i was on their campus for three days and i sat with them and and watched how they made admissions decisions Mm-hmm. And it was very, very interesting because they said we do a lot of similar, like us and Bucknell and all the schools in that that Patriot League athletic mm-hmm. conference operate the same way. That demonstrated interest is super, super important to them, uh, and that if a, I, and they said you know if a student doesn't you know visit us and 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 come to our open house and go to the table at our college fair, they don't get any points for demonstrated interest. And they said the most the, the most The biggest way you can demonstrate interest is by applying early decision because now you're saying I'm all in. Right. I said to them, well, what would happen if you had an early decision applicant with, you know, 1,300 on their SATs and, you know, really good grades, but you had a non early decision applicant who never visited and they were number one in the class and they had perfect SAT scores, but they never did Mm -hmm. anything to them. They had a zero and demonstrated interest. He didn't even blink. He said, we would wait list that student because we know they don't really want to come here. Wow. Okay. All right. So we know that kid wants to go to Cornell or an Ivy or a Carnegie Mellon. They don't really want Lee. This is their safety school. Okay. Because people typically don't visit their safety schools.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's just interesting. As an outsider on that whole thing, I I could see a a different argument where that kid may not have even heard of Lehigh until midway through his senior year, but he absolutely loves it. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I think there are other... And there are other ways, because I said, then what if a kid lives across the country? Like, what do you, Uh you, how do you, they said, well, we we do factor that in, but they do a lot of regional things. You know, they'll go to a hotel in Manhattan, you know, to accommodate kids. Syracuse does that. Syracuse comes to New York City every year. They do a, you know, and they invite people all over. The University of Michigan just did a thing at a hotel in New Jersey up north. Okay. Um, for students interested they rent a room it's like a like a banquet hall and they, they do so there are different ways to demonstrate interest other than physically going to the campus especially now with all of these virtual events mm-hmm. that they have online right i would just say if you're interested in the school attend as many things as you can um and it can't hurt um so that is the demonstrated interest uh um thing uh, now is is a time where i'm discussing with students they should be doing in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my kids will, will already have plans. They're working at a camp as a counselor, or they're doing whatever. But if they're not and you're looking for something interesting to do that can help your application, it never hurts to do something related yes. to what you're going to study in college.
0: You know, yes 100%. Yep. Want to be a nurse?
1: You know, you're going to want to know before you get into that emergency room whether or not the sight of blood makes you sick or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it might not be the worst thing in the world to see if you can volunteer at the hospital and see if you can or, or 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 at a doctor's office. Even if it's just a few hours a day, the time to find out you faint from blood is not in the emergency room. <laughs> yeah. You know. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah. you know, these are and they look good because the colleges then know that this person can, you know, is all right. We at least know that they have been exposed to this kind of an
0: environment right yeah yep and that i mean that aligns perfectly with my messaging for scholarships as well you know it's part of what i call the student's personal narrative and like it an example that i always think of is um, one student i worked with she she had a love for animals and she wanted to be a vet tech and when i started working with her she worked at i don't know fast food joint and i said could you look for a job at like pet smart or petco and she you know, she made that transition, she wasn't making any more money. But I'm convinced that that on her resume compared to the fast food, um, earned her some additional scholarship funds.
1: Yeah, and and similar, I have a similar story. I have a, I, have, I had a kid a couple of years ago who wanted to, to to go to some of the top business schools, you know, in, in the country. Mm-hmm. They were applying to Wharton and Stern and, and all the big ones. And and, and, he, and he was working at Rita's ISIS. And I said to okay. so him, why are you I said, is it, do you know, like who the owner is? Like the guy, well, yeah, he said, yeah, he owns like three of them, you know, because they, mm-hmm. they, you have to own more than one. I think they have like, a." Okay. I said, why don't you just, why don't you ask him if he can show you how he, how does he order food and how does he manage the books and how does he handle payroll and how does he do all of these things? And then not only would it be a good experience, but it might be something that you could write about for your essay mm-hmm. college." Yep. And the guy said, the guy was thrilled too. he said, and I'm going to show you how to do this. And it was so interesting learning. This kid told me he had, he had a, like, the, just the ordering the food was so interesting because for an ice cream store, it's all milk products and they, and they mm-hmm. perish really easily. And you want to be right. so careful not to lose, you know, you have a slow night, a couple nights a week and you're, you're throwing all of this milk product away and yeah. just lose yeah. money. And and there's also he said it was there were more regulations for, for like these 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 like ice cream stores that have milk products than there is at like a hospital because there's such danger <laughs> yeah. in having bad milk. Uh-huh. So, so he said it well, he learned so much about how to manage this place. And that was that was what his essay was about, how he basically was the CFO for this little ice yeah. cream. Uh-huh. So very, very, you know, so it was a really it was a really good thing for him to do. And it was something that he wasn't gonna do. He was just gonna serve ice cream all summer.
0: right right
1: um and then we you know at at the end of this list we have you know setting up appointments at at your top college choices and as you go through the 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 cycle like toward the end of this year toward the summer you'll hopefully have a better sense of you know what schools are really on your list and then you can kind of either visit them again or go to their you know go to their open houses where they're they're a Mm -hmm. little bit better more in enriched than the than the general tours are Um, And then start to really narrow down like, you know, what you want to, what you really want to apply to. Most of my students will apply to between eight and 12 schools. Okay. Um, You know, a lot of college planners have these complicated, well, these are your reaches and these are your safeties and these are your 50-50s and these are your targets. Uh, For me, you know, mine is either I think you're going to get in or I'm not really that sure. Okay. And my list is broken into two halves, you know, these I'm pretty sure you're going to get into and these I'm, I'm not too sure. So let's just, you know, be safe. Um, so come August 1st, you know, the common application will open officially. Mm-hmm. However, students can start filling out their common application, believe it or not, as freshmen in high school or sophomores in high school, they can fill okay. out the section. It's two halves they can fill out the name and the address and their activities and their high school information and their parent information. On August 1st, what will happen is, um, well, it'll close for about three or four days before August 1st. They will take all of the last year's seniors out. They will give colleges three or four days to upload all their new essay questions and all their new questions on, their, on the college side of the Common App. And then on August 1st, it will allow students to start adding their colleges into the Common App. And the reason that that is important is because you are not going to know what the individual supplemental college essays are Mm -hmm. until you add those colleges in the common app. You'll be able to see the essays once they're added. Okay. So I tell my students because the, the generic common app essay, which goes to all of the colleges, it's not college specific. That usually comes out around February, March, The individual supplemental college essays will come out August 2nd. So I tell all my kids, I give them a deadline that by August 1st, your general Common App essay should be finished and edited and done. Mm -hmm. That way you have the rest of August to finish all your supplemental essays with the goal of being done by Labor Day. So they're finished before they go back to high school because once high school starts, you're going to lose your kids to that work and sports and whatever else. Yep. Yep. So you'll save yourself an enormous amount of headache if you can get all these essays done before your kids start school. And then once those essays are done, you are ready to kind of submit your applications and you can Mm -hmm. submit them anytime after August 1st when the common app opens. Okay. Um, And they don't all have to be submitted all at once. Some of my kids will finish their primary ones, the essays for the important ones early on, Mm -hmm. and then they'll work on some of the other ones later and they'll do them in phases. That's what my daughter did. You know, she. Well, she just kept adding schools, but (laughs) because what happens is you you pick a list and then you start panicking that you're not going to get into any. And then you start adding. So I swore we wouldn't do that. And and she did it anyway. But yeah, um, yep. She still might. She told me the other day, I think I want to apply. I said, no, no, no. We spent enough money in (laughs) applications. Right. (laughs) And then you're going to submit your applications. OK, so, you know, when 12th grade starts, you're probably going to be submitting your applications. And then, you know, there are still opportunities to take, you know, an SAT or an ACT. They're given all through the fall. Um, Usually, most of the deadlines for early action are November 1st. So you are going to want to submit apps before November 1st and try to take all your standardized tests before November
0: 1st. Um, Can you, I'm sure some of the listeners might not know, what does that mean, early action?
1: So there are different decision plans, right? So there's early action, which is not binding. Okay. It's not a commitment. You can apply early action to all of your schools that offer it. And what colleges do is they'll say, if you apply by the early action date, you'll get notified before all of the students who do not apply by that date. So Rutgers, for example, I forget the dates of notification, but if you apply by November 1st, you get notified by whatever it was, January, they just notified like about, you know, in the past couple of days. But if you apply regular decision, you're not going to get notified until February. Okay. And I would encourage everybody to apply early action if you can, because, you know, it's like a restaurant, you know, once seats fill up, right? And the more people you accept, the yep. fewer seats there are going to be. And then right. colleges sometimes start to tighten up and accept fewer and fewer students once they start getting deposits and deposits and deposits. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to get in as early as you can. Um, early decision is a different plan. You can only do that at one school, if okay. if the schools offer it, and mm-hmm. it is binding, which means you're apply- if you apply early decision and you get in, you are signing an agreement that says you will enroll at that school. Okay. So the benefits are it could increase your chances of getting into some of the more selective schools in the country most of the ivy's have early decision the lehigh's those those really selective you know smaller Mm -hmm. uh, private schools do the danger in doing that is that if you're telling us college that no matter what you're willing to enroll their 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 motivation to give you scholarship money may be less because you told them you're coming no matter what so
0: that's right um, yeah
1: and then the other downside is if you apply early decision to a college, you get in and then two days later, you get a full scholarship somewhere else. You just, you're just kind of like, <laughs> you know, screwed yourself a little bit, you know, if you really yeah. want to get money. Yep. So, so yeah. you, the only, I tell people you only do that if you know it's, there's no concerns with financials. This is like the school you've wanted to go to since you're two years old. Mm -hmm. if you have posters up at the university of michigan from the time you were two years old in your room maybe that's they don't offer a decision but you know the idea is that that would be a school you'd want to do that at right right i would not use it as a tool to try to get into a school because you think it's going to be easier that you really don't want to go to Uh uh-huh okay some of my kids do you know (laughs) okay so um And then you really just want to, you know, you want to make a document that has all your college application deadlines, make sure you meet your deadlines. There are a few colleges in the country who have October 15 application deadlines, the University of North Carolina, the University of South Carolina. uh, I think Clemson uh, is one some do. So just keep an eye out for that because you know, a lot we get into that November 1st mentality, but there are some, call- like Florida State may have been one. I'm not sure. They used to, maybe. But you, you, must, you just have to really check your deadlines for both the applications as well as their financial aid deadlines, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, seniors should, you know, when you're applying, should be meeting with their guidance counselors to make sure that they're coordinating with them to send out the transcripts and the letters of recommendation. They go, the guidance counselor's responsible for doing this. The student is responsible for sending test scores in the applications, but the guidance counselor handles high school transcripts and letters of recommendation. Um, Some high schools require parents to sign waivers so that they could send out information on behalf of their minor children. So check with the guidance offices to see if there are documents that, you know, your parents need to sign. They may be online. I know Naviance and SCORE have online portals where parents can, can do this. Um, So students should definitely be meeting with their guidance counselors. A lot of high schools will do an assembly senior year for the seniors to explain all of this, but most of my seniors fall asleep during the assembly. So um, they might wanna just schedule a separate meeting with with the guidance counselor, just to make sure that the parents and they all know what they're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah, and I would um, reiterate that, especially if, if the parent is able to attend, I think that that's really important. Um, And many of the schools, in addition to talking about just strictly college admissions and things like that, they're going to talk about scholarships and local scholarships that your high school makes you aware of are your absolute best opportunities to win scholarships. So um, definitely tap into your school and hopefully you have a good guidance counselor who is on top of that. Um, If you don't, you you know, there are some other avenues, but um, yeah, that's a very important meeting to go to
1: yeah and you know keep in mind that that like some of the bigger high schools you know you're talking about a a student to guidance counselor ratio of 100 to to one yeah you really have to advocate and 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 get in there i know the schools that have naviance or score one of these systems it's a little bit easier because you request your transcripts through these these portals Mm -hmm. but you still have to make sure that your counselor actually sends them out you know so you can put the request in but it doesn't mean they they actually go anywhere um I had mentioned, you know, we're going to be uh, submitting applications. And you mentioned, you know, continuing the scholarship search. Yep. Um, and then you're basically going to be waiting for, for decisions from the schools. But you, you then, once your applications are submitted, can really start filling out um, financial aid documents once they mm-hmm. are available. This year, they were unusually late. Um, right. it in, private, in prior years, was around October 1st, the FAFSA would yep. be available. I know they made some changes to it. It was available uh, December, uh, like the very end of December and a limited basis yep. it opened. And then it kept closing and opening and closing and opening and closing. I think now it's a little bit more consistent. It seems to be open. Um, it's a little bit easier to fill out than it was in years past because mm-hmm. in years past, there was a mechanism that it it had to link to your, to the IRS and pull your tax return in. Now it doesn't do that. You just fill in basic information. It's really simple. The important thing to know for your FAFSA, which is one document that you're going to need for financial aid, there's another one, Yep, is that the student needs a user ID and a password, and the parent needs a user ID and a password. You can set those up at any time, uh, even before the FAFSA is available. At least you have the username and password. And then when you go in, it allows you to link the parent and the student together using that, that ID and password. That's how they know that you're you're a family even if you have a set of twins you need one for each twin and then you need one for yourself and you actually have to do the fafsa twice when you have twins so Mm, um the other yeah the other document that you're going to need to do is called the css profile well you won't not necessary let me take that back there is a list of colleges out there that are members of this css profile mostly private schools some of the more selective publics like North Carolina, Chapel Hill, UVA, I think Michigan's on there. It's, it, it's on the College Board website. The College Board website houses this CSS profile. Um, if, if you just Google CSS profile colleges, you will get a list of all of the colleges that require this document. And if you find any of your schools on there, then you're going to need to fill out this document. This document is much more invasive mm-hmm. than the FAFSA is. It asks much more detail because this money is not coming from the government like the FAFSA money is. This money is coming right. directly from the schools. So they are much more um, diligent in finding out if you deserve any of their money or not. So they ask a lot of questions and it doesn't link to your, you know, to your tax return. It asks a lot of questions about income and businesses and balances and bank accounts. Yep. Um, you may need a financial planner or your accountant for help with some of the questions on there. I am certainly not one. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are just the important thing is there are two documents when, when you apply for, for financial aid and colleges have different deadlines when these are due separate from the application deadlines. There are different financial aid deadlines. And usually right after you apply to these colleges, they email the students back and tell them, hey, if you're gonna be applying for financial aid, These are your deadlines. Mm -hmm. Students typically just ignore these emails because they don't know what they really mean. So it's very important for parents to just kind of take a look and see what emails they're getting from the colleges once the applications are submitted. This information is also easily found on any of the college's financial aid websites. And they're usually front and center on any college website. There's a financial aid or a tuition services area. And they'll tell you when all of these things are due.
0: I'll throw a a pro tip in there on, on the email stuff set up a unique email address that the both the student and parent have access to for college admissions and scholarships and that way you both have eyes into it and if the student fails to check the email the parent can know what's going on that's a great
1: great tip I had started I heard you say that and all of my kids I've told them just create a separate Gmail yep. you know Dave's colleges 2024. 2025, you know, and then that is the, because their, their regular email is getting bombarded with stuff already from college because right. they probably when they took the SATs said, yeah, I want to get information from colleges. Mm-hmm. When you say yes to that question, colleges can purchase your name right. around the country for like 39 cents a name and you're going to get stuff from everywhere. So it, it's good. That you won't get spammed. You know, it's, it's dedicated to this and it's, and it's, and there's no, there's no issues with sharing with parents. So I think that's a great, that's a great, um, a great tip. Um, there are some colleges around the country that might ask for senior grades. Mm-hmm. Um, there are few and far between. I know Syracuse University always asks students for first marking period grades. Okay. Um, if you have not gotten a decision from a school and they ask you for mid-year grades, it means that there is a concern of theirs about right. what prior grades were. Mm-hmm. So they're probably wanting to see whether the pattern of grades continues or changes. Um, but for the most part, you're probably not going to need to send any senior grades to colleges. Um, if you do have to, again, go see your guidance counselor, um, or some colleges will allow you to update that, that self-reported academic record with okay. the senior grades. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really what I help my families do. Okay. Um, Come the spring, you should start getting your financial aid packages back. You should have most of your decisions back and you should have an an idea of what the the actual cost is going to be of of college. Mm -hmm. And then you start making decisions. You will have to decide what college you want to attend by May 1st. That's kind of the national deadline. I would not wait until May 1st because the earlier at some schools you deposit and decide the better housing options you have, the earlier you get invited to your orientations and the better class selections you have. But May 1st is the deadline um and once you deposit you you're ready to celebrate you know your process is is basically finished although you do have to pay for it so
0: (laughs) (laughs) the unpleasant part begins (laughs) yeah yeah well hopefully they've been been looking at scholarships during this whole process and and they can not have such a financial burden because of that
1: so i mean and that is basically you know like i say you know we started you know, this in junior year, but if any of the families have younger children, you know, there's no harm in starting, you know, mm-hmm. visiting schools earlier, starting these conversations because most of the kids that I talk about, even junior year, haven't thought about it. And when I ask them, you know, what are you looking for in this experience? You know, how far from home do you want to be? I just get a bunch of, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't. Yep. And I say, well, what do you think about this school? They go, I don't know. I never saw it. You know, I don't even know uh-huh. what that means. So, I think it's it's important to 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 visit and 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 see what's out there, even if they're local colleges, even if you mm-hmm. visit something nearby the house, they'll get an idea of what it looks like and what it feels sure. like. And yep. so I can't emphasize that enough because you never have enough time. And unfortunately, visiting is the most time-consuming thing that you're going to do. So yep. I would start that as early as you can.
0: And do you recommend visiting when classes are in session? I think if you can. Yes, the, the, okay. You know I work with a lot of athletes, so it's
1: really hard for that. like my mm. my my kids in in basketball, it's like the season never ends. They have preseason, yeah. and then and then there's a tournament it's it's like every day. I mean, she's, she's not gonna be home tonight until nine thirty. Yeah, yes, I mean, you you want to try to visit schools when they're in session, but what people don't realize is the college semester is really short., you know, yeah. It starts Labor day. you know, mm-hmm. like after our, like my college I work at, classes begin the day after labor day. And they're done by like the first week of December, right? And then in yep. between, you have Thanksgiving when they're closed. The week before mm-hmm. classes end is finals week, so they don't do tours finals because it's like study. You mm-hmm. right. only have about thirteen weeks, and what a lot of my families are doing now is they're like, "All right, well, our, our spring break is in April, mm-hmm. so they're off for a week. Well, guess what? All the tours are booked because everybody yeah. wants to So, yeah, ideally you want to do that, but even if you go to a college where in the summertime where students, you'll still, if that's your only option, it's better than nothing.
0: Sure. Yep.
1: Yep. You know, it's better than not visiting at all. At least you get a sense of the town and the campus and the size and, um, you know, you actually may have a better chance of getting into a dorm because there's no kids around. It's hard hard Mm -hmm. seeing dorms now because of all of this private, you know, they, they don't let you in a lot of dorms anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of colleges have like a separate building where they make a fake room. That's what they did at Delaware. And I'm like, this isn't a real room. I wanna, yeah. <laughs> I want to see the real room. They're like, oh, you can't go in I can't go in yeah. Yep.
0: yeah. So
1: yeah, it would be ideal to do that. But if you can't, at least get out there and see what you can when you can. Sure.
0: Yep. Good. Well, Jason, this has been fantastic. Um, Lots of great information for people who um, may be a little overwhelmed, or even if they're not, they just want somebody to um, give them some more personalized help and advice. um, How can they reach out to you?
1: You know, the easiest way to reach out to me is just shoot me an email. Uh, My email is is simple. It's Jason, J-A-S-O-N, hand, H-A-N-D, 21, at Gmail. Um, You know, my cell phone number is 732- eight, five, seven, six, three, one, seven. Um, I, 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 don't have a website because nobody ever used it. Uh, most people find me out on Facebook by, from, from recommendations and from other, from other families. So yeah. Uh, yep. look, yeah. Jason hand 21 at Gmail is the easiest way to, to, to shoot me an email and I'll respond pretty much within the hour.
0: Yeah, and Jason, I'll say I really appreciate you coming on the show because I know that you get all the clients you need, and I know you don't need to come on here to promote yourself. So I very much appreciate that.
1: Listen, I'm I'm blessed, and I love what I do, and I love the kids. So I appreciate you having me on the show, and um, and it's 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 great working with you, and 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 I hope to continue to do so.
0: Oh, likewise, of course. Well, again, it's uh, Jason Hand. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, we will put your contact information in the show notes of the episode. And um, thanks again, Jason. Appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks so much. Class of 2025, the time to start applying for scholarships is now. My Class of 2025 scholarship coaching service allows you to take advantage of all the scholarship opportunities that are open during your junior and senior years of high school. And by starting as a junior, it allows you to win scholarships that are only open to juniors, while also giving you the practice you need for the huge scholarship opportunities that open up during your senior year. During the first month of the program, we'll start to build your personal narrative. I use my five pillars methodology to help you build this foundational key for winning scholarships. Included are an unlimited number of video conferences with myself to help you perfect your personal narrative. And in the first month, we'll get started on your scholarship roadmap. This is a personalized and curated scholarship plan based on your profile. Additionally, I'll work with you one-on-one to help perfect up to 10 scholarship applications per month. I'll review your applications, essays, and projects providing advice and feedback on how to improve your scholarship entry. Availability of this program is extremely limited and when it sells out, it will not be offered again. It is suggested that you have a GPA of at least 3.5 and at least one extracurricular activity that you're passionate about. Click the link in the show notes of this episode to learn more or go to nodetcollege.teachable.com and look for the Class of 2025 Scholarship Coaching Program.